Welcome back. This is Buddhist Books Podcast. Uh, Carl Jung's Black Books, episode 38, as it was in the beginning. Uh, The very first episode of Chicken Philosophy was Edward reading Carl Jung's Black Books, and you can find that by clicking here. That'll take you to the Black Books playlist and um, yeah if you want to do that otherwise you can start here um, as has become tradition for the uh, Carl Jung recitals until just so you know a little bit of the behind the scenes here is when I take a rune out of here I put it in a different place in another bag over there with another set of runes that are made of tiger's eye. I think the tiger's eye are mine and these black ones are Pew's, that's Priel's. Uh, but they, they look nicer on the screen, I think. Maybe, I don't know. So yeah, so we're not gonna have any repeat runes and we're gonna do this until we run out of runes. So let's set the theme for today's episode. The theme is mm, this, and we'll stick that right up at the top of the screen, like that. And um, now we'll learn a little bit. See what I do with these things is I learn. When I'm filming, this is me learning. I'm sharing me learning with you. Um, I know it's unusual. Usually people come on here with expertise and they teach you what they already know. But no, I am a fool. I am ignorant and I am learning and sharing my learning with you. It's a little different. And it's also, since it's YouTube, it's kind of like a reaction video, except instead of a movie, it's uh, books. Anybody else doing that? Oh, by the way, that reminds me. Um, my brother Pymander, me in another outfit, is uh, going to be... You can click through and subscribe to Buddhist Books Podcast because tomorrow he's planning to watch the 2009 Japanese movie Zen with English subtitles as a reaction and review. Normally he reads Buddhist scripture. But occasionally, I mean, this will be the third movie reaction in a hundred or two hundred and thirteen episodes. It'll be episode two hundred thirteen of Buddhist books, and it'll be the third that is a movie reaction. Okay, so this thing up here is partnership. Wait a minute. Wait just a darn minute. Oh no, it's not partnership. It's constraint. That's why it's like a little longer on one side. Okay. So it's not the X. It looks like the X, the way that the runer, the, see, this is, this is constraint. This is partnership. So, so that is most certainly this, because the very first of these rune pulls that we did was uh, partnership. So this is constraint. All right. Constraint, need, necessity, constraint. Cause of human sorrow. Lessons. Hardship. Cool. 
um, in you know in a transcendental kind of sense. It's cool. Like you know, people used to when people would say everything is beautiful. My dad would say, "Tell me about the aesthetic appeal of maggots in a dead horse." And then he would follow that up by saying, you know, from a transcendental kind of standpoint, sure, maggots and a dead horse is also beautiful. So this is cool in that same transcendental kind of sense. Editor me, let's have some music. A bold choice. Uh, I do have a memory of Gwydion 10, 15 years ago trying to use that and the video was blocked from YouTube so we'll try it and uh, if it doesn't work we'll have to re-edit it and uh, you know try something else but we'll try it we'll try it maybe uh, the owners of Bram Stoker's Dracula soundtrack have worked out a softer agreement with uh, YouTube Google I don't mind if it's blocked in, like, Russia. A lot of things are, these days, a lot of things are blocked in Russia. Um, Jean-Michel Jarre, whenever I use Jean-Michel Jarre, it says no one in Russia can view this video. And I'm like, eh, no one in Russia was watching these videos anyway, so. Whatever. All right. I think, uh, you know, it's appropriate, given the past few episodes of the Black Books. We'll see. But uh, I have a feeling this music is going to fit. So let's get to it. <clears throat> so this is December 25th, 1913. Merry Christmas, Mr. Jung. May I, something crossed out, perhaps also wish for this. Until now, bitter necessity, remember necessity, <clears throat> constraint, sorry, bitter necessity, even desire it. Oh, wish for what? Okay, maybe he'll explain. I don't know, as everything is extremely dark and thoroughly mysterious, the secret shall be kept virginally. But what am I talking about? Yes, I, I was wondering the same thing. It is better kept as any man could ever keep it, because no human hand can touch it unless it has been given to him. No one can steal it. No one can rub it violently. Sorry. <laughs> no one can rob it violently. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. The gate might open only to he who waits there, poor and unknowingly. Now we've got some kind of divider, like a line. Line drawn across. I stood before a ridge that leads steeply upward in a wasteland. Gray, jagged stones. A blue sky. I've been there. <laughs> 
sorry. I wrote a poem about it, Jagged Rocks in My Mind. At that moment, I catch sight of the prophet high above me. His hand makes an averting movement. And I abandon my decision to climb up. I wait below, gazing upward. The prophet's coat flutters in the wind. I look to his right. It, it is dark. Night. To the left, it is bright day. The rock separates day and night. Maybe the rock is birthed, but I don't know. The night is like a monstrously huge, black, but transparent monster, like a serpent or a dragon. I was getting nervous with those first couple adjectives, but it turned out okay. The day, and besides they used a different word back then, the day, in contrast, contains a massive white serpent. No such thing. <laughs> that old joke, Blanche Knott's truly tasteless jokes, which 15 inches long and white, nothing. Funny joke. Is it? it was funny when I was like 12. Parentheses, with a golden crown. Question mark, with a golden crown? And parentheses. Okay, so we got the the serpents from the Caduceus, but the white one has a crown and the black one doesn't. I think the black one should have a silver crown, Mr. Jung's unconscious 111 years ago. 110 years ago and 10 months and two days ago. Math. Okay, both serpents... One thrust, what? Both serpents, one, and then one is crossed out. Both serpents thrust their heads. They're both, no wonder it's confusing. There's words that are crossed out. Okay, both serpents, one crossed out. Thrust, they're both, parenthesis, I mean, crossed out. Let's skip over the crossed out words, shall we? Both serpents thrust their heads toward each other, eager for battle. Elijah stands on the heights between them. The prophet raises his hands in prayer. Suddenly, the serpents throw themselves from the ridge, and a terrible wrestling ensues. The serpents of the night. What? The serpent of the night is to a, oh, just to spell out the symbolism for us. Okay, so there's a black serpent on the night side and a white serpent on the green side. Okay, all right. We're here. The serpent of, of the night is to a larger extent on the side of the day. Oh, so it's like one of those reversal things, like how Hesed is watery and Hod is watery and Yivurah is, uh, sorry, Gevura is fiery and Netzak is fiery. Mm -hmm. The tails wind together down. 
to Malkuth, and then not only that, but you have to bounce across from Gevura to Chokmah for the fire, and from Chesed to Binah for the water. So it goes boing, boing, boing. I mean, hence the Caduceus, right? Okay. So then the black serpent's on the day side. So it's like a yin and yang kind of thing. <laughs> Enormous billows of dust rise from the place of struggle and blue sight. Blur sight. Speaking of which... It's, it's kind of fun. It's like uh, that classic image of the detective with the magnifying glass, like trying to find clues in the, in the Jung. All right. <clears throat> the serpent of the night pulls itself back. The front part of its body has become white. The serpents curl about themselves, one in light, the other in darkness. Elijah, that's how you pronounce that, climbs down from above and positions himself standing at some distance. He says to me, what did you see? I saw the fight of two formidable serpents, a white and a black one. It seemed, and the white one was trying to get the black one to put on the damn glasses sunglasses they live anybody seen they live yeah, sorry uh, it seems to me as if the black would overcome the white serpent but behold the black one withdrew and its head what oh and what the black one withdrew and its head and the top part of its body had turned white do you understand that? That's in quotes, so it must be Elijah. I have thought it over, but I cannot come to a clear explanation. <clears throat> Should it perhaps mean that the power of the good light will become so great that even the night that resists it will be illuminated by it? Kind of like when the great beast 666 drinks the blood of Christ and turns upon the horror of Babylon. Everybody forgets about that part. That wasn't a deal. Read the whole fucking thing. It's like the Declaration of Independence. You know, like nobody gets to the second line about, by the way, abolish the government if it becomes tyrannical. What? How come, like, every child doesn't know the second line of the Declaration of Independence? Follow me, in quotes. Elijah climbs before me along the edge, <clears throat> along the ridge, into the heights. I follow, by the way, sorry, I was quoting, I would personally, you know, say sex worker. But in the English version of the Bible, that's what she's called. It's not, it's not right. It's not good. John of Patmos, although he was probably writing in, I don't know, Greek. We climb up <clears throat> to a very high summit. On top, we find some 
cyclopedian masonry with dark cracks <clears throat> and holes. All right. It appears to be, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm like Freud over here going, mm, so how many serpents? Mm, and then there was a hole. Oh, I know what it means. I know what it means. Right? It appears to be like a courtyard or a circular rampart. Beneath the bulwarks, something crossed out, cavernous rooms. In the middle, that must mean bulwarks as an adjective? Or maybe it's not. Beneath the bulwarks, implied are some, cavernous rooms. It all depends upon what this B-U-L-W-A-R-K-S word is. Editor Edward's been doing a lot of uh, editing lately, so I'm not going to make him do anything today. In the middle of the courtyard, a mighty rock, an enormous boulder, flat on top. The prophet stands on this stone. He says, quote, This is the temple of the sun. End quote. That's S-U-N. <clears throat> the encircled place is a vessel that collects the light of the sun, the god. As Elijah climbs down from the stone, I realize that his form has become smaller. He has become a dwarf, who seems foreign to me. Worst kind of dwarf, if you ask me. No. I ask, astonished, who are you? Quote, I am mime. M-I-M-E, with a capital M. I like it. I dig it. And I will show you the wellsprings. And quote, drink full and descend. The horse is the white of the eyes, the dark. Sorry. The light that has been collected by this vessel becomes water and flows in many springs from the summit into the valleys of the earth. End quote. <clears throat> Mime goes to one of the crevices in the masonry. Crevice, I know what that is, says Freud and dives down into the dark. I follow him. Inside it is black, dark, dark is crossed out, night. So black, dark, night. No, that's too many words. Black night, not black, dark, night. Silly, says Jung as he decides to cross out the word dark. One can hear the rippling of a spring. The voice of the dwarf sounds i love how he becomes he goes from the prophet elijah mime the dwarf all right i mean it's it is like a dream that kind of stuff happens in dreams right um mm -hmm. 
Quote, here are my wells. Whoever drinks from them becomes wise. Oh, must be different from the, uh, the ones in episode 8 of The Return. If you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And quote, but I cannot reach down. Instead, I cling onto a stone above. Slowly, my eyes get accustomed to the dark. I see the dwarf standing in bluish dim light beside a small water rivulet, or rivulet, if you will. I know, it's rivulet. Americans add that extra yeah sound at the end of the French E.T. Like Chevrolet. That one we can say whatever the hell we want to say because it's an American word. Chevrolet. But it's ballet, not ballet, guys. <laughs> Sorry. And you're supposed to put the fork down like this and then do this with your left hand and your right hand. If you're trying to pretend to be French in World War II in Paris to hide. That's how they get you. That and when you do this, if you've seen that Tarantino, like, what are we doing here? Outside in the giant court. Okay. I lose courage. Outside in the giant courtyard, I see the bright sun pouring. The dwarf seems ghostly to me. I have the feeling of a hallucination. Doubting, I pace back and forth on the giant squares of the yard. <clears throat> Undecided whether a phantom has lured me to this place or not. Because everything appears to me strange and incomprehensible. Was it Elijah? Was it mime? It is so solitary and deathly silent here. And a clear and cool air as on the remotest mountains. Mountains is crossed. No, it's not. In my mind, it looks crossed out, but through the magnifying glass, it is not. <clears throat> a wonderful flood of midnight all around. Sunlight! A wonderful flood of sunlight all around. I see around me the mighty walls that form the horizon. Jagged crenellations. Gray and yellow lichen grows on the stones. Apart from this, not a blade of grass. What is it with this place? I think it could be a druidic sacred place of worship. A black serpent crawls over the stone. It is the serpent of the prophet. How did it come here? From the underworld, my gaze follows it, and I see how it crawls to the wall. 
I feel weird all over. A little house stands there with a portico minuscule struggling against the rock. The serpents become infinitely small. I feel as if I too am shrinking. The walls enlarge into a huge mountain and I am below on the foundations of the crater in the underworld and I stand before the house of the prophet which seems to have returned to his natural size. Here below it is dark and nocturnal as always. The prophet appears in the door of the house. I enter with quick steps and speak to Elijah. I notice that you have shown me and let me experience all sorts of strange things before you allowed me to come to you today. But I confess that it is all dark to me. Your world appears to me today in a new light. Just now, it was as if I were separated by a starry distance from your place, which I still hoped to reach today. But behold, it seems to be one and the same place. Quote, you, my son, wanted to come here far too much. I hate it when they say that. I did not deceive you. You deceived yourself. Yourself. He sees badly who wants to see. He measures too much. You have overreached yourself. End quote. It is true. I not only wished to, but I eagerly longed to reach you to something crossed out here, what you and Salome would continue to explain to me. Salome startled me and led me into bewilderment. I felt dizzy because what she said seemed to me to be monstrous. And like madness, where is Salome? Quote, how impetuous you are today. What is up with you? Step first over to the crystal and probe your heart in its light. End quote. I walk to the crystal. A wreath of fire appears in front of my eyes. It encircles a void. I am seized with fear. My father, I see a boot like the one the Bunchu has in the coat of arms, in its coat of arms. I see the foot of a giant that crushes an entire city. I see the face of the sun, my own image, its smile. Woe, like W-O-E, not like Keanu Reeves. What does it mean? Quote, look farther. You are impetuous. Temper your desire. 
You see, you stand in your own way. End quote. I see the cross, the removal of the cross, the mourning. How agonizing this sight is. No longer do I yearn. Quote, you must. Quote, I see the child with the white serpent in his right hand and the black serpent in his left hand. I see the green mountain, the cross on it, the streams of blood flowing from the summit of the mountain. I can look no longer. It is unbearable. Quote, you must. I see the cross and Christ on it in his last hour and last torment. At the foot of the cross, the black serpent has coiled itself. I feel that the serpent of the prophet has wound itself around my feet and ties itself up tightly. The prophet looks at me with fiery gaze. I am contained, and I spread contained, constrained more like. I am contained, and I spread, something crossed out, my arms wide as if spellbound. Salome draws near from the right. The serpent has wound itself around my whole body, and it seems to me as if my countenance is that of a lion. Salome says, quote, Mary was the mother of Christ. Do you understand now? End quote. I see that a terrible and incomprehensible power forces me to imitate the Lord in his final torment. But how can I presume to call Mary my mother? Quote, you are Christ. End quote. I stand with outstretched arms like someone crucified, my body taut and horribly entwined by the serpent. Elijah looks at me with blazing eyes. Quote, You, Salome, say that I am Christ? End quotes. Is this Elijah saying to Salome what she just said to Carl Jung? I mean, okay. <clears throat> it is as if I stood alone on a high mountain with stiff, outstretched arms. The serpent squeezes my body <clears throat> in its terrible coils, and the blood streams from my body, spilling down the mountainside. <clears throat> but I am back in front of the crystal, still in the same position. Salome bends down to my feet and wraps her black hair round them. She lies thus for a long time. Then she cries, quote, I see light, end quote, and truly she sees. Her eyes are open. The serpent falls from my body and lies languidly on the ground. I stride over it and kneel at the feet of the prophet, 
whose form shines like a flame. He speaks, quote, your work is fulfilled here. Other things will come of which you do not know yet, but seek untiringly and above all, write exactly what you see, end quote. Salome looks as in rapture at the light that streams from the prophet. Elijah transforms into a huge flame of white light, and the serpent lies down at the feet of the flame. Salome kneels before the light in wonderstruck devotion. Tears fall from my eyes. I hurry out into the night. My feet do not touch the ground. This alien earth, as it is, as if I were melting into air. Another little line. I am back again. Something has been completed. It is as if I had brought with me a certainty. And something crossed out, a hope. Well, that sounds like a happy ending to me. I mean, not like a happy ending, like the Freudian happy ending at the massage parlor, you know. Uh, all, all I can think of to say is that um, it, for those who've played Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, I've noticed that I often visualize that underworld with the, the gloom and all that <clears throat> when he's in the underworld, or a underworld, an underworld, whatever it is, wherever he is. Um, well, that was fun, interesting, something to think about. And uh, I guess that's it for the episode, right? There's really not much else to say. Although, I will say, um, Naga Kanya, the queen of the serpents, says hello. And, what's that? Ah. She wants me to tell you. Bye. <laughs>